From the Jesuit Conference of Canada and the United States, this is AMDG. I'm Megan Leibsch. In the days after Russia invaded Ukraine, Ukrainian refugees poured across the border into Poland. Polish civilians received them with open arms. Literally. Volunteers lined up at the border offering hugs and words of comfort to complete strangers. In fact, the traffic at some Polish border crossings got so backed up, the government asked volunteers not to come to the border unless approved. The photos and footage from these tender encounters deeply moved me. With nearly 30 million refugees worldwide, we can overlook the suffering of even our closest neighbors. To learn more about this community-based approach, I spoke with Father Damien Cherniak. He's a Polish Jesuit who, on top of his day job working at a Jesuit parish and school, is coordinating services for Ukrainian refugees in Poland through the Jesuit Refugee Service, or JRS. On a given day, he and his team are tasked with finding Ukrainian refugees temporary housing, providing psychosocial support, assisting with paperwork, distributing funding, and maintaining contact with two Jesuit houses in Ukraine, which are also housing displaced people. The Jesuit community where he lives is also hosting several Ukrainian families. Suffice it to say, Father Damien is incredibly busy. But he also stressed to me that he is a link in a much larger chain. He said he's been heartened by the local and global response, from families volunteering to host Ukrainian refugees to people shipping donations from across Europe. For him, this is evidence that God is at work, even amid this dark struggle. Father Damien, thank you so much for being here. How are you doing? Good. Thank you, Megan. Thanks for having me here. So you are currently coordinating JRS's response uh, on the Poland-Ukraine border, assisting refugees from Ukraine. So what is the situation there? How is JRS responding? So since the beginning of the war, uh, it means February 24th, uh, over 2.2 million people crossed the border uh, from Ukraine to Poland. Many of them moved uh, forward to different countries, but more and more even uh, stayed. And we needed to, to react quickly, dynamically. And uh, the second day after the war started, uh, two Polish provincials, they convoked a team of Jesuits uh, who will co coordinate, and I am one of them. And uh, we decided to to see what we can do in our parishes and how the situation look like and also what are the, our capacities in the houses and Jesuit houses if we are able and we've got the capacity to host uh, refugees in our communities and uh, little by little it was um, just moving on uh, you know first of all we got in touch with uh, our parishioners who were able and willing to help us with uh, hosting uh, refugees who wanted to host refugees in their houses and we were able to support them in that and then uh, uh, with uh, several uh, communities jesuit communities we also um, received uh, uh, received host refugees in, in our communities, in our houses. Uh, moreover, like the distribution points of dry food, clothes, um, toiletries, whatever was needed, uh, we opened that in our parishes and there's plenty of volunteers helping with that uh, all over Poland. 
it is it's it's not only Jesuit reaction, you know, that's the whole society, uh, Polish society who reacted in, in that way. So the very first week or two weeks were driven by this like huge impact, emotional, people just wanted to help and they were just, that was the fuel. And right now it's a month, so it's a little bit slower, more structural and now we see uh, how much our work as GRS will be valued uh, in the long term. Because now we see that the society just calms down. There's still plenty of people that want to help, but there's no so much energy. Uh, we see more and more uh, Ukrainians in our cities and mm, that changes the society as well, you know. And uh, yeah, it's very dynamic. It evolves every day. I want to talk more um, about your work with JRS, but before that, I want to rewind a little bit and talk about your background. Um, so you were born and raised in Lublin, Poland, which is in the east of the country. Um, and in high school, you attended a, a three-day silent retreat with the Jesuits um, that inspired your vocation to the society. Um, and then since joining the Jesuits, you've lived in France and then taught French at Creighton Prep High School here in the U.S. Um, so uh, how does a French teacher end up on the front lines of a humanitarian crisis? You know, what does your vocation mean to you across all these different jobs and, and works? Yeah, that, Megan, it's a great question. I am surprised that you know so much about me. <laughs> Good research. I did my research, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's amazing how God, uh, you know, just, yeah, how, how God is present in my life, I would say that. And uh, how much trust is important in my life, trust to God and to, to what I, I've chosen to do and that uh, God accompanies me all the time. So, yes, my vocation started thanks to the Ignatian spirituality, to the retreats. And then I decided to enter the Society of Jesus and I did my formation. I, I did my uh, regency in France, uh, where I learned French, actually. And then I came back, did my studies and got ordained. And I went to, to Creighton Prep uh, and I taught French, you know, and as a, as a high, high school student, I would have never thought that could be even possible because I did my French classes in high school, but, you know, second language in high school, how much we care, <laughs> right? And uh, so I studied my French, but not as much as I would like to at that time. So uh, trust to God that God guides me in a good direction uh, and I think being open to, to God's will and thinking that God accompanies me all the time and, and leads me to, to the best possible ways and you know, solutions, I would say. So trust, first of all, trust. 
So what does a typical day for you right now look like? You mentioned that things, now that you're a month into this conflict, um, things are a bit more kind of structured. So what is your day-to-day looking like? Mm -hmm. So the the beginning of the war was chaotic, I would say, a little bit. And it was, I I felt for the first two weeks, like it's a one day, but I just, you know, talk more with people I don't know in different languages <laughs> and and then sleep a bit, but it's still one day because I wake up and check my messages and then I respond immediately to those that are needed to respond. And then I I, I try to do my regular stuff because, you know, I, I am a teacher right now. And so I teach in school half time and I work in a parish. So I do what, what I was doing. So, and in between, I do all the GRS work, so it's busy. And right now, it's more structured. Uh, I've got some calls. I've got plenty of emails to respond, uh, collaboration with GRS Europe, and also with our team on a daily basis, uh, responding to the calls, people who call with help, for example, a family that's you know, I, I sometimes I've got calls like, Father, we are here and we need uh, accommodation. Can you help us? And okay, then I, I'm like a call center. So I, so I call to, to the people who, who got, who's got the, the base of uh, addresses and then we decide where this person could go. And uh, so, so it's various. It, it changes, but there's plenty of emails and uh, collaboration that way, and being on the phone, being on the phone. What have some of the challenges been for you? Um, tiredness <laughs> and trying to just trying to find the best uh, solutions uh, in a, such a short amount of time. For example, someone calls and you need to find like, okay, I've got A, B, and C. What should I choose? Maybe B, it sounds the most reasonable. So I call to a friend of mine and I say, hey, I think that we should do this and that in this situation. What do you think? And then we decide. And then, so it's it's many of decisions and in, a, in a short amount of time. And that, that's stressful. And sometimes you just feel like you've got one one call, two emails, and three WhatsApp messages, and you need to respond. And then you decide what to respond first. Then you forget about the call you had. Then someone reminds you. So this is like plenty of stuff going on at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that sounds like a lot to manage. Um so you mentioned that there have been some refugees um, in the community where you live in the parish and house. Um, so what have you learned from them? Are there any stories that have stuck with you? So uh, we host a family of three. That's uh, Oleg, uh, dad and father of family and husband and his two daughters. Evelyn, she's one year old, and Jessica, she's five year old. And there's wife and the son, Stefan. 
but uh, Oleg's wife and Stefan are in the uh, hospital uh, in Gdańsk, which is uh, city next to Gdynia, uh, at the clinic. Uh, uh, and Stefan is three years old and he has chemotherapy right now going on. So they arrived to, uh, to Poland and from the, the border, the, the, the ambulance took Stefan and his mom straight to the hospital, right? They came from Kiev uh, and they were able to, uh, to, draw, uh, to drive by car to, to, the, to Poland. And uh, so Oleg arrived uh, with his uh, two kids and uh, in his car to, to northern Poland. And then another community that we know, uh, they, they hosted them, but it was far away from the hospital. So they asked us, hey, you've got the Jesuit community over there. Could you host this man with two daughters? And we agreed, of course. And uh, they stayed with us for uh, right now more than two weeks. And, you know, yeah, like you can only imagine like, You've got uh, Oleg, he, he could be in the army right now, defending the country, right? Because he's on, at this age. But because of his familial uh, situation, uh, he was dismissed and uh, just to take care of the family and, uh, and uh, the sick boy. And so uh, what occurred uh, for during these two, two weeks that uh, Stefan, his uh, cancer he has is so rare that they they cannot help him in, here in Gdańsk, in Poland. And uh, I don't I don't know the name of this uh, this cancer, but doctors said that there's only five kids in the entire world that have this disease, and that's why they decided and they were in touch with different different clinics, uh, the one in Germ Germany, they decided to, to take them and tomorrow they will, they will leave tomorrow. So for two, two and a half weeks, they were with us and Jessica was in our kindergarten point. And, you know, it was, it was so sweet to see uh, two little girls just walking around in our Jesuit community, <laughs> smiling and, and laughing and having fun. Yeah, but the, the the entire situation is just uh, I I just cannot imagine that you know you've got a kid who is sick you, you need chemotherapy you live in Kiev and then the war begins and you flee from the country you don't know how, how to it's like it's it's hard to imagine seriously so that's that's uh, one story that is really close to us as Jesuits here in Gdynia. Yesterday, we, we welcomed two other families with uh, two teenagers who are disabled and they, they are on the wheelchairs. And uh, yeah, so because our facility helps uh, also for people with disabilities. So that's, uh, that's why we agreed to help them and, and host them. Uh, yeah, and we are open and, and we still uh, wait for, for more families that, that we can help. Yeah, as you say that, I mean, that story is 
incredible. And I, I can't imagine having to make all of those decisions, you know, so quickly for your family when already one of the hardest things I think that can happen to you as a parent has happened to you, you know, your, your kid is sick. Um, it's so hard. Yeah. And yesterday I, I talked with Oleg and he was, he was very grateful that we helped. That's the first thing. And, and he, you know, he said about a little bit about his faith that he trusts in God and he prays that God just heal the the boy, his his son. And he started crying and I was like, "Well, I pray for you, right? What what can I do?" Yeah, but yeah, it's it's tough. What role have you seen faith playing? in this conflict both you know for maybe for yourself you know as you kind of like navigate this the tiredness and and the stress of it but also for some of the refugees that you've been talking to yeah uh, so the people i talked with they they say that they believe that there is uh, good in people because they see that happens you know, the, the, the entire situation in Poland and I believe in Romania and Moldova and Hungary is, is similar, that we just host people in our houses. They flee from the war zone and we host them in our houses. And uh, it's, it's extraordinary. You know, it's not a usual situation. Uh, we don't have uh, such a thing like uh, refugee camps right now. It just doesn't exist. Uh, of course, we've got like a big sleeping places, like in the gyms, uh, schools, you know, big halls, and so on. But there is no such a thing as a as a refugee camp. So it's it's extraordinary. And people they they say, especially those who are who are hosted by, hosted by by families, like people are so nice, good to us, welcoming, and uh, and they see good in all that and they see that that's that's faith in humanity and i believe that faith in god as well even if they don't say that out loud but that that god is present in uh, in us you know and there's this gospel uh, where jesus says like you are righteous because you helped me you you fed me when i was hungry you gave me something to drink when I was thirsty and so on. And that's that's how I see the, the entire situation right now. I mean, Christ is here, you know, the gospel is happening right now. That's it. women and kids, that's Christ. That's Christ that's, and he's coming here. And we can do gospel or we can just forget about gospel. We've got both choices. And I believe that the majority of the population decided to help, right? And and uh, we see that. So uh, so it's it's very uplifting and uh, heartwarming. So over three million refugees have fled Ukraine since Russia began its invasion a month ago, um, and nearly two million of them, um, I think, as of this recording, yeah, it's, it's even more right now. Yeah, it's so, even more so. now. There are two Jesuit houses in Ukraine that you mentioned that that you're in contact with, um, and these houses are also sheltering some displaced people. 
So how are they holding up? What is your understanding of their situation? So the two houses uh, we are talking about are one in Lviv, which is closer to the border with Poland, and the other one, Chmielnicki, which is a little bit far east. And both of them uh, became the, the centers where uh, refugees can stay for a night. Chmielnicki, uh, because it's closer to the eastern, it's like closer to the center of the country, so people who are fleeing from the eastern part, they need to stay for a night somewhere, right? And uh, there are plenty of places like that. And one of them is our uh, retreat house that became a, a hosting center. So daily we can host there 60 to 70 people. They stay for, stay for a night and then the following day they just move on. Uh, forward to the to the border with Poland or on other borders. And in Lviv, we've got a capacity of 30 to 40 people. And there is also, in, in both houses, we've got Jesuits. Uh, so there is a possibility to, to talk with them. And there are plenty of volunteers just to, to be with people, listen to them and try to provide this kind of support. Uh, at in Lviv, in the house in Lviv, we also have the uh, the place where we can um, we uh, we have some activities for children and also more professional psychological help as well. And uh, we are in touch with uh, Lviv, especially uh, having transports uh, twice a week from Krakow with the needed supplies or cash uh, that they can uh, um, buy whatever they need uh, in Lviv. So yeah, it, it works like that. They are they are holding up, they are, they are doing a great job over there. That's for sure. So what, what do you see the role as the global Catholic church, you know, this kind of big institution um, of, of faithful people playing in welcoming refugees, not just in, in Poland, but kind of um, more largely? Mm -hmm. uh, we received uh, plenty of support, like monetary support or uh, supplies support as well from different places in the world. So, and and yes, of course, some of them are not Catholics, but mostly these are people connected with Jesuits. And uh, we feel this support and uh, we are very thankful to our, all our donors and benefactors that support our mission here. Uh, so, and we also feel I personally feel the support, like prayerful support. And my friends from States, they asked me many times, like how the things are going, are you safe? Is it okay there in Poland? Like, we pray for you, we support you. We hope that we believe that you do the best thing, possible thing, and we know that, that you do your best. So that, that's a lot. I would say in a personal way and then more general okay that's the the that's the wishes and uh, the thoughts i got from my friends but i believe that other people who don't know us and they see what's happening they pray for us and and that's 
that's meaningful. We are people of faith. We believe in prayer. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, as a Catholic church, I I feel that we are connected and we support each other. And, and we feel here that, that we are supported by by the entire community. Just for our listeners, we'll put, you know, some of these resources, both to donation links and to some, you know, prayer um, and solidarity resources in our show notes. Yeah, thank you. Um, So the, you know, the invasion began a month ago. And as you said, it's, it's been very busy. Um, so what, what has kept you going? What has kept you feeling like you have the energy to keep responding? Mm-hmm. Uh, my team, my teammates, like I, I had a time several time, like I say, I, I cannot do that anymore. Please stop the war, <laughs> right? <laughs> Something happens, stop it. And then I, I, I just, I don't know what to do. I, yeah it's overwhelming right and then uh we just start messaging texting with with my teammates jesuits and just like hey guys keep going move on like a great motivational speech you know so just uh keeping up together so in general i would say community that i am not alone in, in all this mission right that there's plenty of people that have support and there's plenty of people who do great things. I'm not alone, just, you know, I'm not a savior here. I'm just, I like to to repeat that in uh, in different places that I'm just a link in a chain. And and I I take part in all that, but I'm just a link in a chain and there are other links in the chain. And thanks to that, the chain is longer and stronger, right? And we keep that together, and 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 we try to to support, help, aid people who are in need. What gives you hope as you look toward the future? Oh, that's a, that's a great question. What gives me hope? I trust that God guides us in the, in the best possible direction. As I said about my vocation like i don't know what's what was going to happen but i just trusted god and i think right now is the same approach i just trust god that god guides us in the best possible way even if we do not see that right now if i don't see that um there is something more than just than just Damien, right there's something more and uh and as Father Kevin Schneider would say, uh, it's not about me, it's about us. And I think uh, that this, uh, this approach, um, community approach, gives me uh, this perspective. It's about us and that gives hope. That I'm, it's not about me, it's not about my mission, it's not about what I do, it's about being a link in the chain, it's about being together, working together, and that gives me hope, you know, even though it's tough, but, but we are, we are here together and in life, we are together with other people, right? We are one for another. That makes sense, at least to me. (laughs) 
Uh, thank you, Father Damien. Thank you for the work that you're doing, for taking the time to, to talk to us and for your, your beautiful insights. Thank you, Megan. That was a pleasure. That's it for this week's episode. If you want to support JRS and Father Damien's work, we've posted some resources in the show notes. AMDG is a production of the Jesuit Conference of Canada and the United States. The show is edited by Marcus Bleach, and our theme music is by Kevin Lasky. The communications team is Mike Jordan-Lasky, Marcus Bleach, Eric Clayton, Becky Sindelar, and me. Connect with the Jesuits online at Jesuits.org, on Twitter at Jesuit Justice, on Instagram at WeAreTheJesuits, and at Facebook.com slash Jesuits. If you're interested in discerning a vocation with the Jesuits, visit BeAJesuit.org. Drop us an email with questions or comments at media at Jesuits.org. You can subscribe to AMDG wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.